class and is followed by a number, 101, such as Math 101, English 101. That means it is a foundation course. Okay. A class on the basics. And more classes can be added to it to achieve what your purpose is or what if you choose to. You don't have to. If you choose to build on this. The Lord gave this church award last year through Greg Strongens. Do y'all remember what it was? It was get back to the basics. Amen. I didn't understand or I wasn't sure what he meant by get back to the basics, but it was made clear to me last week when I was taking our Hebrew class. The rabbis asked a question from the students. He asked, how do you know that you are going to heaven? And he asked the eldest of the classes, and they were basically about their 70s. And they all gave a basic answer. They said, well, I believe in Jesus. And the rabbi said, well, the devil believes in Jesus. <laughs> and then another answer from the other 70-year-old was, well, I'm just going to live my life right the way I'm supposed to. All the questions, all the answers that they gave were a foundation, but it wasn't the answer that was needed. Because there's a lot more to salvation than just... I know Jesus. Uh, they kept it 101. They kept it the foundation. Because accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior is the foundation. But there's more. Amen. Okay. Today's word that God gave me is prayer life 101. Prayer life is a space and time that you schedule for yourself for God. It is a place where you can submerge yourself in His presence. I grew up Catholic, and honestly, praying was a chore. Apart from Sunday school, we had to take classes that would introduce us to what our religion was and how to pray. I learned to memorize many prayers, each for different situations in my life. I was also taught how to confess my sins to the priest. So on Saturday mornings, when I would go to confess my sins, I would go into this box-shaped object, and I would speak to a man through a veil. And after I told him what my sins were, he would then give me absolution, and then he would sign me the penalty for my sins. And then I, as the newly penitent Catholic, would kneel, in the sanctuary and offer God my self-inflicted punishment. Those are not my words. That's the religions. So, if I were to say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, I rolled my eyes at my mother. That sin would acquire ten Hail Marys and ten Our Fathers or more. But the only way I could keep Part of it is that they would assign you a rosary, and this rosary had many beads, and those beads would allow you to count, and so you won't lose count. So on my knees, I would be praying for what seems like hours for um, my, um, I guess, my punishment for rolling my eyes. 
I was five and ten, and I exaggerated then, and I still exaggerate now. <laughs> but in my mind, prayer equals punishment. So what is prayer? Prayer is an act of worship Amen. that glorifies God. Let's go to Luke 2, verses 36 through 38. In this chapter, Mary and Joseph went to the temple to present baby Jesus. Verse 36, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. And she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God through fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child that everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Some theologians say that she had been widowed for 84 years. Instead of being 84 years of age, that's why they mentioned that she had only been married for seven years. Still, 84 years is a lifetime. But she went to the temple worshiping by praying and fasting. This scripture changed my life and my look upon fasting. It is not about depriving myself of food. It is about worshiping my father. I started the Daniel diet on the 11th, and I really jumped to it. I really didn't know much about it except for fruits, vegetables, no meat. So I had to do some more research and study on it after I started my fast. (laughs) So I don't recommend that for anybody. Pray before you're doing it. Pray about what you're wanting to see from God and do your research. That kind of responsibility prior to your fasting will help you stop saying, Ugh, I can't eat that. Oh my goodness. Uh, I just can't wait to get off this fast. I can't wait to eat this and that and the other. (laughs) Because what you're really translating is, I can't wait to get off this worshiping God. At the end, Anna was rewarded for her worship of praying and fasting by being in the presence of God. That's what her fasting got her. She was in her, the presence of God, and she actually saw the face yes. of God, which meant she saw the answer revealed, Amen. the salvation for mankind. This is what I hope for, and that is the result we shall hope for. But unlike Anna, we don't have the burden of driving to the temple or walking to the temple day and night because we are the temple. So, can we do what Anna did twice a day? Number two, prayer is communication with God. Human beings are relational. We want to connect with people. The Bible says that we we are created in His image. Therefore, one of our characteristics traits is the want for communication. Well, then, so is our Father's. Amen. The next two verses are going to show you how much God wants to communicate with us. Let's go to Jeremiah 33, 3. I'll be reading out of the ESV. 
The Lord is saying, call to me. Call to me. I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Psalm 2, 7 through 8. This is David. And David says, The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. You are my son. And today I have become your father. Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, and the whole earth as your possession. That sounds to me that he wants to communicate with you. Amen. And communication is a two-part action. It's just not listening, but it's talking. Actually, it's not just talking, but it's listening as well. And you can't have one without the other. King David discovered the power of inquiring and listening at an early age. Many of his questions were concerns of his upcoming battles. First Samuel 23, you can see the conversations between him and God. Hearing God's word, or hearing God's voice, requires a listening heart. Silence requires us to close our mouths in order for our hearts to be open. It's not easy being quiet, especially if you're the first to lose at the quiet game. <laughs> but listening will force you to lose, will force you to learn patience. Listening out for him, King David says in Psalm 62, 5, the New Living Translation says, that all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Psalm 25, 4-5 David says, Make me know your ways. O Lord, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For I, you are the God of my salvation. And for you, I will wait all day. Hmm. If he is the God of your salvation, wait on him, no matter how long it takes. Amen. Point three, prayer reinforces our need for Him. God is the source of and purpose for our existence. We must fully depend on Jesus. Without Him, we have nothing. But with Him, we have everything. When you don't have Christ, you have no power against sin, and you have no power against Satan. And you truly don't have a life. John 15, 4-5. Jesus is saying here, Remain in me, and I also will remain in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. Mm -hmm. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. In John chapter 5, Jesus was harassed by the Jewish leaders for healing a lame man. Verse 18 reads that they wanted to kill him, not only because of working on the Sabbath, but because he called God his Father, meaning he himself was professing to be God. 
But this is what Jesus said later on in John 5.19. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. If He does only what His Father sees Him doing, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus was dependent on God. Later in John chapter 10, verse 30, he stated that he and the Father are one. This disproved the Jewish leader's accusation because the oneness does not show equality, just like the oneness between a husband and a wife does not show equality. But because of their oneness, there was perfect communication with them, with the Father leading the way by showing him what to do. Point four Faith. I mean, prayer is a faith builder. How many times have you prayed for somebody or for yourself and saw your prayers answered? Amen. Amen. When that happens, prayer becomes exciting. What is happening at that point is that your prayer is building your faith. So, what do we need to build our faith? Let's go to Hebrews 11, 6. Why do we need to build our faith? The Lord says it is impossible to please God without faith. Mm -hmm. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who the journey seek Him. If you're praying and seeking, that means you believe that He exists. When Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, the Israelites lost their connection with God when Moses left them. Forty days later, they were making idols because they wanted a God they could touch and they could see. Thomas wouldn't believe Jesus was raised from the grave until he saw and touched Jesus. But this is Jesus' answer to Thomas. On John 20, 29, Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe and do not. Praying affirms your belief in him. So let's get back to the basics. How do we pray? I think Pastor Lord said that this morning, this, I mean, just a little while ago. You don't know how to pray? I'm getting ready to tell you. <laughs> Come on. Amen. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. You hear this verse in regards to prayer all the time. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing is a part of God's will in your life. It's what He wants. Praying should be as much as part of your life as eating, breathing, walking, and talking. But pray without ceasing? How? We're all pretty busy. I'm a wife, mother, grandmother, I work for my husband, I volunteer at church, I have a ministry, I have a prayer life. But it was the Apostle Paul who brought that to us. He was one of the busiest people in his time, and it is proven by all the work that he has done. Yet he's the one that encouraged the believers to pray without ceasing. So if he can do it, that means we possibly can probably do it as well. So when I think of not ceasing or without ceasing. It's like some of us here, I think, non-stop. <laughs> How can I pray non-stop? 
It makes no sense. But the word for without season in Greek is adiologos. It means reoccurring. It doesn't mean non-stop. Amen. Okay. Now it makes sense because we breathe on an average 18 times a minute. We, we eat three times a day. And we walk and we talk. It depends on the individual. But what happens if you stop your reoccurring needs? What happens if you stop walking and talking? Well, you'll have a poor quality of life. What happens if you stop eating and stop breathing? You die. The same goes for your prayer life. Mm. You will have a poor quality of life when it's not reoccurring. Yes. Or spiritually die yes. when you don't do it at all. Amen. Yep. Yep. Pray without ceasing means prayer needs to be reoccurring. Yes. How long should we pray? I suspect that many people as I have struggled with the length of their prayers and have thoughts as did I pray long enough? And was God pleased with this morning's prayer with me? But these kind of thoughts will get you thinking of quantity instead of quality. Yeah. Yes, Come amen, on. amen. Come on. We begin to think more about ourselves than the time we are spending with God. Yep. The Bible offers us help as far as the discipline of prayer. But it does not say, thou shalt pray in increments of blank. <laughs> so when I was saved, I was told that I should pray at least an hour, quoting a, a verse in Matthew. So let's go to that verse. Hmm. Matthew 26, 40 through 41. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said, Peter, couldn't you watch me for even one hour? Verse 41. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Did Jesus say you at least needed to pray for one hour? Now, he said, couldn't you watch me at least an hour? Always go to your Bible for verification when somebody is telling you something. This is quoted scripture, had me feeling unworthy and discouraged in the prayer for a very long time. Now, we found biblical characters praying at all hours of the day, but the duration was not specified. We have Anna that we just learned about that prayed twice a day. Daniel got on his knees three times a day. Daniel 6. David prayed three times a day, Psalm 55, 17. And in Matthew, Jesus prays in Gethsemane three times in one day. The Jewish practice of daily prayer is three times a day. You have your morning prayer, which is at sunrise. You have your afternoon prayer, which is at the evening of the uh, sacrifice at the temple, which is three o'clock. And then you have your evening prayer, which is nine o'clock. But these three times of prayer were a habit of every devout Jew. Paul prayers seemed to be sporadic. However, because he was so knowledgeable when it came to the laws and the scripture, there's no doubt that he got on his knees three times a day. But Paul being Paul, he probably played, prayed all day. I said all that to say this. Discipline in your prayer time will end up determining your length of prayer. The more you get to know the Father, the longer you want to stay in prayer. Amen. 
I was told to start with five minutes. That is better than nothing. As a matter of fact, those of you told me that there was something popped up on Facebook that said 10 minutes is better than nothing. Or 10 minutes will add to. But I want you to think about it this way. What kind of relationship would a married couple have? There was little to no communication. What if the bride only spoke to her husband five, ten minutes a day? That relationship would be in trouble. For you young that do not have a spouse, the youth, you may not you may not be married now, but you are married. When you said that Jesus was your Lord and Savior, you became the bride, and he is your bridegroom. So will five minutes a day make for a good relationship? Baby, what if I only talk to you for five minutes a day? No. How would you feel? Horrible. Well, I know I would feel lonely, unwanted, unworthy of his attention. And I would ask myself, I made a commitment with someone who doesn't even want to talk to me. Who's allowed to pray to God? Only the bride has the privilege to be in the presence of the God of the universe. Prayer is possible because Jesus Christ has removed the barrier between us and God. A barrier that was caused by our sins. Our sins separate us from God. And because of that, we have no right to come before him. But by his death on the cross, Jesus paid that penalty for our sins and removed the barrier. God then gives us the privilege of coming into his presence when we commit our lives to Christ. Yes. I've answered the what, what, who, why. Now where? Where do we pray? Matthew 6, 5 through 6. In the message it reads this. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom, do you think God has a box seat? (laughs) Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there simply and honestly. Then the focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. The NLT verse 6 says, Jesus said, when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door. Mm -hmm. Now you can pray anywhere, in your car, at work, in the shower, you're someone who prays by the you've done all of those. But if you truly want intimacy with God, that will be experienced behind closed doors. Yes. I can only explain it like this. I can talk to my husband at work, at home, in front of people. But when it's time for us, for an intimate time of a conversation where no one else is going to hear, and no one else is allowed to hear, you go behind closed doors. Amen. <laughs> at my house, we have a prayer room. And that room is specifically called the prayer room, war room. We haven't decided yet. But it's God's. <coughs> it is not a spare room. 
it is his place. Yes. And we each will take turns in going there duration of whatever times of the day. And I got that idea because Pastor Lori introduced me to that uh, movie with Priscilla Shire, War Room. It was then that I built a war room in our home. Amen. What I do is I section off time for God. That is a prayer life. You give him a time. And I choose 5 o'clock in the morning because I do not want to be rushed with him at all to be in his presence. I wake up and as I go to my prayer room, I'm already hearing Jessica. She's got her Bible on. 4 a.m. is up believe the time that she starts. But I go in there and I shut that door and it's dark and I only leave the closet light open. And I get on my knees and I put on the praise and worship music very low, really low. So I can still make out the words, but it's still quiet. And on my knees and in the quiet, before the words even start to chant, I start welcoming him in that room. And the first thing I say, I thank you for the miracle, the first miracle of the day, which we all take for granted, which is his breath in our lungs. And I didn't know how much I took for granted until my aunt took her last when she never woke up. That was the day that I became very appreciative of that first miracle. Amen. And in the thinking and in the singing, of course, your five minutes, if you listen to your prayer and worship music, these songs are long. They're about six minutes long. So right there, you have covered almost the ten minutes. And so as you're just kneeling there, just listening to him, trying to listen to him and thanking him for everything, Eyes closed. Eyes, I, I can almost feel his breath in my face. Amen. And I urge you, if you haven't gotten that intimacy with Father, or you know that he's in that room, then you need to carve out some time at whatever time it is. I wouldn't suggest during the middle of the day because you know they're going to be knocking on your door or whatever. But sometime with him, where nobody can interrupt the intimacy with your Creator. Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm going to leave you with this. F.B. Meyer, a Baptist pastor, an evangelist said, The great tragedy of life is not an unanswered prayer, but an unoffered one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Awesome.